Hello and welcome to the MarTech Alliance Marketing Technology Book Club. I'm Carlos Doughty, your host and also the founder of the MarTech Alliance. But more importantly, today I am chatting with the fantastic Scott Galloway about his awesome book, The Four. Scott, um, over to you. Would you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction and background on yourself? I could try, but I dare say I won't do you justice. Uh, sure. Thanks. So first off, thanks for having me. Um, pretty simple background. I'm an academic. I've been on the faculty at the Stern School of Business at NYU, where I teach um, brand strategy and digital marketing for 15 years. I'm also an entrepreneur. I started several companies, mostly in the tech sector. And this is my first book, The Fork. And it's a bestseller. Yeah, you got very lucky. I think it's better to be lucky than good. There's a, a lot going on around tech and the timing was good. I, I think I think you're being a little bit harsh on yourself. I think it's a bit more than get lucky. Um, I appreciate a, that. It's a really, really entertaining read. Um, Thanks. And on that, for anyone that's listening that hasn't yet picked up a copy, if we put you on the spot with 60 seconds on the clock, what, how would you describe it in terms of why someone should take the time to, to read it? I think there's a lot to be learned from these companies uh, in terms of managing your own finances, uh, how you set up a company that will ultimately be successful and how you manage your own career. I try to break down the connection between these four firms and evolutionary anthropology and what instinct they tap into. Also try to break down the different elements of their success and then reassemble it such that you can again apply those learnings to your own personal financial strategy, your own human capital in terms of the jobs you seek or don't seek, and also what you can learn in terms of small business. So I'm, my goal is to help other people establish economic security and this book is part of that process. Do you think it's possible? Do you think we really can break up the fall? Oh, sure. We've broken up. Uh, we broke up the railroads. We broke up Ma Bell. Um, so we, yeah, we, now I don't see it happening in the short term because of the current political climate and because these companies are very good at staving off regulation and scrutiny, but absolutely we can. I don't think this is a lot of people would say, you know, the world is what it is. These companies are too powerful. And because of network effects, you need big companies. And my belief is the world is what we make of it. And we absolutely, if we decide to break them up, can. And I think you've made the example before that Microsoft's been broken up, right? In terms of it once was getting that way. Yeah, 1999, the Department of Justice moved in on uh, Microsoft and said, stop uh, killing small companies as they had done with Netscape using their influence and bundling power. And if they hadn't done that, it's unlikely we would be saying Google, it, we'd be saying Bing it. They would have used the same bundling and economic influence to preload Bing as the search engine on every computer desktop. And the object of everyone's affection, uh, every innovator's affection, Google probably wouldn't be here. So uh, antitrust intervention is a natural part of the economic cycle when companies acquire too much market share, too much concentration and too much influence. And we're, we're at that point in the economic cycle. And who do you think, um, you, you've talked before about the fifth horseman being Spotify. Is that still your view? Or do you think somebody else is creeping in there? So arguably the fifth horseman is already there and it's um, either Microsoft or one of the Chinese companies. There's two or three now in the top 10. I look at it from a sort of consumer facing companies because I do think they carry more weight and have more impact on our society. And each year, when I say the fifth horseman, I picked a fifth horseman for 2017 and a fifth horseman for 2018. That's effectively my way of picking a stock, uh, a company that I think is going to influence in value and increase in value. And in January of 2017, my pick for the fifth horseman was Netflix. Uh, the stock has quadrupled since then. And then most recently, my pick for the fifth horseman for 2018 was Spotify. Sure. 10 or 20 years from now, I don't know. I think that's so much time in, the, in our age. I think it's difficult to predict. I do think these companies will all be around. We may not recognize them, 
They may have traded positions in terms of power. There'll be some new players. But I think the key to having a more healthy ecosystem in 10 years is that some or all of these companies are broken up now. And then if we flip over, um, focusing specifically from a publisher perspective, what do you think publishers or media companies need to do right now to kind of combat the onslaught that is Google and Facebook? What can they do to really ensure they're building an audience versus web traffic while at the same time satisfying some of those short-term commercial uh, pressures? Well, I'm not sure it's not too late. Um, it sounds sort of cynical, but I think elect officials who will who will intervene and break these companies up. I'm not sure there's an easy way for Der Spiegel or the Telegraph or the New York Times to compete with Google. I would argue that one of the biggest mistakes they made, and I was on the board of the New York Times for a couple of years, was the buying into the slide that information wants to be free and we let Google crawl our content, parse it, and then sell it to the highest bidder using search, which was a superior business model. Um, so what can publishers and media companies do? One, I think they need to create a consortium and I think they need to, to, to block all crawlers from Google and search and also remove all their content from Facebook and not debase their content and build these other platforms. A lot of these wounds from old media are self-inflicted. They should have never bought into the life. Information wants to be free. And in addition, I think they need to get more aggressive in terms of encouraging their representatives in Washington, D.C. and in Brussels to hold these firms to the same standard that they are held to in terms of anti-competitive behavior. And also, realistically, they're just going to have to invest more of their profits back into technology and put their content out there where consumers uh, will find it and in manners where they want to digest it. I think it, we're also going to need to move to more of a subscription model, which a lot of them are. A decent forward-looking indicator of survivability among media companies is the percentage of revenue they get from subscription as opposed to advertising. So the New York Times gets, I think, about two-thirds of its revenue now from subscription. They'll survive. Uh, a place like uh, Comcast or a, a Rodale to get 70, 80, 90 percent of its revenue from advertising, I think they're in trouble. And I read your recent article, which was really, really interesting, about the AT&T HBO acquisition. Um, to quote you specifically, you, you said, when your firm is acquired, the fear is somebody shows up and provides rational reasons for actions that will ultimately kill what's unique and special about the asset they acquired. I've got to ask you, how does, how does it feel having joined the Gartner family? Uh, so even if it was awful, I would lie and say it was fine <laughs> uh, because they're, they're paying me now. But, you know, they are. They're smart. They're smart. Um, good people. They're really, they've been very generous with me. I'm not sure I would be as tolerant of me as they have been. Uh, so, so far it's gone, it's gone, I would say, I would say it's gone pretty well. It's weird working for someone else. I'm not used to that. I learn about decisions via email and big companies make decisions in a very kind of institutionalized way. Usually I would say there's just a lot of BS you put up with at a big company, but the flip side is the health plan's really good. Big companies are great platforms. So look, there's no free lunch, but big companies are big for a reason. They're smart. They have good people running them, and that's no trip in a, tr uh, no different at Gardner. Gardner has grown double digits, 21 qu quarters in a row, and I think there's only 12 companies in America that have done that. So, look, I'm working for smart, nice people. So on the whole, it's been pretty good. Would I rather be in charge? Yeah, but look, everything's a trade-off. Also, but very importantly, how did Omar getting killed in the wire not make your HBO best moments? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is, The Wire is the thinking man's best show on TV. It's probably the most underrated show, and I think it'll have a renaissance, but I agree with you. That was a, that was a serious <laughs> omission, so I apologize to all of the Wire fans.
Cool. Um, so you're obviously well known for the Amazon wholesale acquisition prediction. What else is in your crystal ball? If you had to speculate, being as outlandish as you like, what do you think are going to be the gangster moves, if you like, for 2018 to 2019? So some predictions. Um, I think that we're going to see a small Latin American or European nation kick one or more of the four out of their country and go Chinese. And what I mean by that is they will decide to steal the IP, prop up a local entrepreneur and capture the value domestically. I think we're gonna see our first $10 billion plus fine. I predicted that earlier in the year. It's, uh, as of yesterday, it was 5 billion, but I think it's gonna go up. Uh, in terms of stocks, I think Facebook hits 300 by the end of the year. I think Tesla declines between 30 and 50%. I think Elon Musk has shown himself uh, emotionally unfit to run a company of this scale and size. Some of his comments recently cement that. I think Amazon is going to pick Washington, D.C. as their second headquarters, and it's going to come out that this entire beauty contest was a ruse, that they never had any intention of being anywhere but D.C. in order to stave off regulation, and that's because where Mr. Bezos and his family want to live. Uh, so a Amazon second headquarters, DC, Facebook stock up, Amazon first company to hit a trillion dollars in market cap. It will pass Apple in the next three to six months and uh, a European or Latin American nation bans one or more of the four. And just on, on Elon Musk, because yeah, it's been a bizarre few weeks. Um, what, do you, what do you think will happen there? Do you think there'll be some changes there at Tesla possibly? No, uh, we, we, um, there's poor corporate governance. He's both the chairman and the CEO, which reflects poor governance. His brother is on the board, which is, um, you know, it's not a good sign. Uh, so I don't think anything is going to happen. You know, and the CEO really vision, you can have a visionary, but that person doesn't need or sometimes shouldn't be the CEO. And he has demonstrated that he is not fit to be the CEO of a public company. Fancy playing a game of shoot, shag, marry. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, and Sundar Pichai. You've got to shoot somebody, you can shag one, and you can marry one. Got it. Uh, okay, I'll start with the hardest one. I would shag Sundar. I think he's, he seems um, dreamy. Uh, in terms of marry Jeff Bezos, I think he's a thoughtful guy, and I would like to be married to the richest person in the world. Um, I think that would fit my lifestyle well. And shoot. I don't want to say shoot, injure, punch, maybe slap on the wrist. Mark Zuckerberg, who is now controlling a community more vast than Christianity or the Southern Hemisphere plus India, was not appointed to this position, cannot be removed from office, could be there for 70 years, is a college dropout, began his career with a site that evaluated women on their physical attributes, screwed over his best friends in college, then totally fucked over his best friend outside of college. I believe he is the most dangerous man in the world right now. So I would absolutely choose Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so with everything going on, walk us through an ordinary day. Is, is there such a thing? You know, this summer has been wonderful. I'm sort of the cliche of a guy whose company was uh, acquired. I spent June and July in London. We have a London office and spent a lot of time with my kids trying to catch up. Uh, with time with them. But mostly I get up in the morning, I do email, I try and get some exercise. Uh, the You're a CrossFit guy, right? Yeah, but I say it more to, to signal fitness. I probably do it twice a week. I brag about it. It's like, how do you know someone does CrossFit? Answer, they tell you. <laughs> um, it's So, yeah, I do I do some CrossFit a couple times a week. I try and get some exercise maybe in the morning, maybe not. 
I have my favorite breakfast, which is nothing. I go and do some meetings, conference calls, a lot of meetings, some writing, and then typically dinner with a friend, go home, and I start, that's, I'm a night person, do a lot of writing and brainstorming and productivity. You know, most of my best work is happens between the hours of 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. I do all my, uh, my, my blog posts happen Thursday night between 10 p.m. and, and 1 a.m. And so, so how, how much sleep do you get by on? Because that sounds like there's not a lot of sleep in there. Well, the most productive people in the world are morning people, and I'm not that productive. I, I typically don't get up before 8 or 8.30, so I go to bed around 1 or 2. So I get between 6 and 7 hours, and at my age, that's probably more than most people get. I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not one of these people that you know, only gets 4 hours of sleep. I make sure I get my sleep. And if we look around the market, who do you see right now in terms of what, what key CEOs do you think have got the right vision, the right leadership, are doing things right in the industry? Not just for, from a commercial perspective, of course, but in terms of the greater good. Oh, that's an interesting one. So there, there are companies I like. I really like Home Depot. Um, I think they're, they, they treat their employees well. I think that Starbucks has made a great investment in human capital. They spend more money on employee benefits this year than they spent on coffee beans. Um, I think I, I really love Procter and Gamble as a company. I think they're very paternal and have, are an innovative company and very good at business, but also very good to their employees. Uh, I think there's a lot of really inspiring firms and CEOs. I like Bob Iger. I think he's a interesting, uh, interesting person um, and uh, his ability to scale scale uh, creativity is sort of unmatched. Jeffrey Bukes, who just stepped down as the CEO of Time Warner as a role model, and I think their ability to scale Time Warner and then sell stuff when it was when it was the right time to sell instead of trying to amass an empire. He strikes me as someone who was very focused on stakeholder value and was able to maintain a creative a creative community, which at that size is really difficult. So, I, you know, there's a lot of companies doing uh, interesting things and there are a lot of good good people who are CEOs. And what about outside of everything you've got going on right now? Have you got any new projects on the horizon or any plans for the next coming years in terms of anything different you want to look at doing? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about writing a book called The Algebra of Happiness. I'm thinking about what makes a productive and rewarding professional, oh, personal life. I really, oh, really enjoyed it. Yes, I did. Yeah, oh, yeah. thanks. Great. Yeah, so effectively, the four was a video that inspired the book. That's effectively how the four came about. And I did the algebra of, of happiness video, and I based whatever video gets the most traction and nice comments and seems to have the most impact on people. I try and turn that into a book. So that video has gotten a lot of views, and people seem to have found value in it. So I'm going to try and distill what I found and what the research I've done doing a decent amount of research around having a rewarding professional and productive life, trying to distill it to a series of algorithms and then expand on it. Great, Scott. Um, that's all the questions we've got for you. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, thank you very thank much. You.